But I want to go to Proverbs 27.10, where it says, never abandon your friends or your father's friends. And I think one of the greatest things you can inherit from your, your father and one of the greatest inheritances you can have, you can give to your children and grandchildren, is your high-quality friends. Every leader faces challenges on a daily basis, and the way we navigate those challenges can make a deep and lasting impact for time and eternity. We're helping leaders discover practical tools based on biblical principles, and helping you create like-minded communities who will walk with you as you lead your organization to health. Welcome to the Healthy Leaders Podcast. Hello, friend. Uh, we are pleased to be with you today on the podcast. Uh, this is part five of a series we have been uh, digging into called Other Forms of Currency. And if you'll remember in the beginning, and if you haven't been listening from the beginning, I'd encourage you to go back to part one. Uh, money is not the only currency, and I, I think you know that. Uh, but we're talking about what other forms of currency there are. And so far up to this point, it's mostly been internal currency, uh, energy spent inside your workplace, inside your company culture, uh, making sure that you have a good hard, uh, good plan and that you're working hard uh, towards that ultimate goal that you've set, uh, understanding how to communicate the story that you have inside your head and communicate that to your, your you know, employees and your, your uh, customer base. So today... Uh, on this episode, we're talking about connecting the circuits outside the workplace. And this is more the external forms of currency um, and, you know, things like your reputation and how people view you and, and what they perceive or expect of you on the outside and, uh, and how, how important that is for longevity and long-term growth. Uh, so connecting circuits outside the workplace, what does that mean to you, Phil? Yeah, well, as, as I was... Uh as most of you know, I came from less than nothing in poverty. It was in, I started in the most, probably the poorest county in Tennessee with zero, less than zero. Um, we had to raise our own food, can our own food on a wood cook stove, hand grind our, our grain to bake bread. And, and so for some strange reason, we started accumulating wealth. And part of it came from tithing. We started to tithe. A neighbor who was not a Christian taught me about the, the, the power and magic of tithing, which that'll be another story for another time. But then as we started tithing, we, I, I, just, um, I, I, st I developed this craving to become generous. And I was giving to churches but a lot of the causes I was giving to were not necessarily using it wisely. And, but I was still gaining from it. But I wanted to learn how to, to be generous. Um, I wanted to learn the whole spectrum of generosity. And giving money is one form of generosity. Uh, but giving your gifts in, is another form of generosity. And so as I, as I tried to, to, try to, um, to get what is the greatest form of generosity, which again is a form of energy. Giving money, once you give money, it might get used once and then it's over, or somebody uses the money wisely to invest in a system, it might go farther. Giving my gifts is, is another one. Using my giftings, I helped write a Spanish hymn book. 
I wrote the songs for a Spanish hymn book because I wanted to prepare banquets for those who couldn't repay me. And this this book is used in a lot of Latin American countries. But but I I as as I've explored, and everybody maybe has a different perception of this. I, I've come up with this belief that the greatest gift you can give to somebody, since the greatest thing that God created is people, they're his greatest gift, that the greatest you, gift you can give to somebody is to connect two people who can help each other. Mm. Wow. And, and so I've, 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 I've developed a lot of different skills for how to do that. Mm-hmm. Like one, one is uh, recommending somebody, recommending two people, and I won't just give them your contact. I'll send an email to both of you and recommend you to each other. So the greatest gift is to connect two people who can help each other, and that's, that's called networking. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's called using your, your reputation. This is somebody that, uh, like Peter and I are in Colorado, and we're, we're, I'm looking to join an organization here. Well, they found out about Peter, and they said, Peter, we could use you too. Mm-hmm. And so it's connecting people who, who are trusted, who are proven, and ca- connecting people with each other. Yeah. So I want to go back to when I was probably eight or nine years old. And my grandpa Jim was the, the number one insurance salesman in, in Chicago for Metropolitan Life Insurance. I don't know if you can look him up. His name was James Flaxman. And he took me out to, uh, he often take, took me out when he was making sales calls and he, would, he knew the streets of Chicago really well. He was a very frugal man, never wanted to own a house. He, he, he lived in an apartment. He bought Fords. And, but when I went with him, I, it never looked like he was working. Hmm. It just looked like he was hanging out with friends. Hmm. And so we were poor in our family growing up, too. My father wasted a lot of money on, on women and alcohol and gambling and so in the summertime, we couldn't afford clothes. I couldn't afford clothes. So basically, I wore shorts and either a T-shirt or went bare-chested and either barefooted or I'd have some old ragged shoes. And then in the fall, my, my grandfather would take me to a clothing warehouse uh, that was owned by a friend, and they would buy me all my clothes for my school year. And I didn't have a choice what I bought. So I wasn't very stylish when I was growing up. Uh, but he bought it wholesale, and, and, and that was all I needed for the year. Well, after my grandfather died, my mother went back to the warehouse and tried to buy clothes. And, and the man said, I'm sorry, that was for your, your father. That was for a, a favor for Jimmy, but I can't help you out. And so I want to go to... There's a whole lot of directions we can go with this whole thing of networking people together. Networking, connecting two people who can help each other. But I want to go to Proverbs 27.10, where it says, never abandon your friends or your father's friends. And I think one of the greatest things you can inherit from your, your father and one of the greatest inheritances you can have, you can give to your children and grandchildren, is is your high quality friends, hmm. friends who can, who can help each other, friends who put people first, relationship first, friends who know, you know won't stab you in the back, friends who can be trusted. And so you don't abandon your, your friends. And, and my sons, my children have built a lot of their business on 
connecting with my friends mm. and, and, and just maintaining that good relationship with my friends. Uh, where you decide to live, where you go to church, mm-hmm. who you work with, a lot of that's going to determine who your children's friends are going to be and who your children marry. A lot of my children's lifelong friends are a direct result of who my friends were when they were growing up, who they married. It just, that, that's one of the greatest inheritances you can give is your, your father's friends mm-hmm. that you can give to your children. And then once they leave home, it's their responsibility to maintain that friendship and then to add some of their own friends or subtract, add or subtract, whatever. Uh, but even among friends like Peter, you've referred me, you've introduced me to people, I've introduced you to people. Mm-hmm. And so that's connecting circuits outside the workplace. They say that more deals are done on the golf course than in the office. Oh, yeah. And and so this is really a lot of the, the best, the greatest business I, I, I brought in and, and our sales team has brought in has been just through meeting people organically, mm-hmm. just meeting them and and bringing them in together and, and, and just getting to know people first as a person and then getting to, and then doing business with them. Like I shared in an earlier podcast about go for the heart mm-hmm. and, and you never know. And, and that's why the Bible says not to gossip, mm-hmm. uh, not to slander people. Cause you really never know whose cousin you're talking to. <laughs> that's you, so true. <laughs> you know, I, you never know who knows who. Yeah. And I, I could tell you story after story of people who I thought, well, there was a guy who came to me. Uh, my wife was in a crisis. We, she had a, uh, a, uh, a crisis pregnancy. And she was in the hospital, in not a hospital, but a hotel in Chattanooga because we didn't have insurance. And she uh, had to lay flat on her back for seven weeks. She had what's called a placenta previa. And we didn't have insurance at the time, so the bills were mounting up. And this guy came to me from a hospital in Swanee, Tennessee. We lived in the mountains of Tennessee. And he said, basically, this is what I want. This is when I want it. This is what I want to pay. And I didn't like the guy, but I knew that I needed the income. I needed the work. And so I, I pleased him. And, and it turned out that the hospital in Swanee, Tennessee, was owned by a hospital in Chattanooga. And the the hotel that my wife was in, she was on the fourth floor, and on the 11th floor was the corporate offices for this this hospital chain. So I went up one day to get paid for a job I'd done. It was about $300. And I showed him pictures of my work, and he said, you know, there's a lot of work coming up in your area, and I'll call you Hmm. in six months, and I'll let it go in one ear and out the other. Yeah, but then in six months, I got a call from uh, a man named Lou, Lou Mashburn, who was a uh, who was the the d- director, the uh, facilities director of a or the administrator of a hospital in Manchester, Tennessee. And I, I walked into his office, and he said, "I heard you do good mail work," and and uh, he offered me a job. Wow! And and that led to other jobs, which led to other jobs. And it just led to connections with architects. And eventually it led me to a connection with a man named Bob Corker, who mm-hmm. became a U.S. senator. But at the time, he was a contractor. Mm-hmm. And he was just starting to build Walmart stores. Yep. 
And, and so I got on the ground floor with Walmart when it was expanding. And those people, we pleased them. And then they introduced me to other people who were building Walmart stores. And so it was like, it was like a backdoor thing of people who trusted each other mm. rather than people who just, it, w- it wasn't about money. It, right. was, it was about, hey, you can trust this guy. Yeah. And I remember uh, just fast forwarding to a few years ago, we were working for a really large company and we were building uh, uh, cabinets for them all around the country. And there was one guy there that was constantly demanding that we, we lower our prices because we were doing so much work for him. And they had come to meet with us. And whenever we had a meeting, like a big corporate meeting, we always had a list of things we wanted to accomplish. And one of the things on the list was lowering our prices. <laughs> and, and so I, I, I met with the guy, this guy, he was a high up guy in the corporation. And, and I told him, I said, man, we're giving you the best prices we can. And I showed him around I showed him the, the work that we were doing, the families we were helping. And up until then, every time we got together, he was constantly demanding that we lower our prices. And, and then at the meeting, the last thing on the list was, okay, what about our pricing? And then they um, ran around the room. And this very guy who had been, had been pounding on us to lower our prices, he stood up for us and he said, but you know, Cohen delivers on time. They deliver. They do it right. We can trust them. And what does it cost if the job is delivered wrong? So he actually fought for us. Wow! Because we were delivering him a better form of currency yeah. than than just the pricing, mm. and and we had won his heart. Mm. So then I want to go into you might say part B of this, which is Proverbs twenty two one, and and that says that a good name or a good reputation is better than great riches. And that, that was the verse that, that Truett Cathy built pretty much his entire company on. He built Chick-fil-A on that. And I, I never really got into Chick-fil-A food. Um, I never saw, I mean, a lot of people like Chick-fil-A, but they built a great culture. And, and, and Truett, he said, the most important part of, the most important thing in our company is, is our reputation. And, and that's worth more than riches. So he did everything he could to make sure that their reputation was right. So he built an entire company around their reputation. And there was one time, there was a true story in the mid-90s, Boston Market had come and they were going to put Chick-fil-A out of business. And they Andy Stanley tells his story and they were going to put Chick-fil-A out of business and 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 they were gonna they were gonna hit a billion dollars by the year two thousand, and Chick Fil A would be out of business, and so the people in Chick Fil A were scrambling. How can we get bigger? How can we beat Boston Market? And Truett Cathy was just sitting there quietly, and then out of out of character, Truett starts yelling and pounding his fist on the table. He said, "I'm sick and tired of hearing all this talk about how to get bigger." I said, if you get better, our customers will demand that we get bigger. So in the year 2000, Chick-fil-A hit a billion dollars and Boston market was all, all but out of business. So he built at, he built Chick-fil-A on its reputation. And what that looks like to me is that when people look at our company, they could come in and look at every aspect of our company 
and, and even put our lives under a microscope and they're going to see consistency and excellence. No matter where they look, they could turn over every stone. And John Jim Collins talks about turning over stones and looking for squiggly things. And, and a person, people who work with us, we make sure that our company is so squeaky clean that they can't find anything, anything flawless, anything, any reason why they would mistrust us. And so, you know, a lot of times banks will give you loans based on your reputation. And people refer people to each other because of their reputation. So, so those are two, two great forms of currency. And one, is, one of them is to connect people to each other who can help each other and people who are trusted who can help each other. Not because I know in the medical field, a doctor has to refer you to somebody who's in his, mm-hmm. in his circuit, in, in his, his circuit and, or in a church, they have to refer people in their denomination. But these are actually people who actually you know you, that you know that you know you can trust. And so you're, you're putting your reputation on the line to share each other. And, and, then, and this comes with your father's friends, your friend's friends. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that's a great form of currency and also uh, to make sure that we have a reputation. Uh, we uh, would have trouble with contractors. And I would, I would ask the, uh, my project manager, did we follow all the protocol or is there anything that we did that was wrong? And because if, if we're doing a multi-million dollar project, if the contractor can find one thing wrong with us, then he can justify doing 10 things wrong. So as long as we were blameless and we had that, that reputation of blamelessness, then, uh, then we could stand our ground and, and we could work through things. And so, yeah, we gave a lot of uh, cookies away and that was good, but uh, that was a form of currency, but our reputation and, uh, and then connecting people who could help each other. And one of our, um, there was one, so we, we studied StoryBrand by Donald Miller, and StoryBrand makes the customer the hero. And one of the ways that we measured whether um, we were succeeding or not was that the people that, that hired us from these construction companies, that they were getting promotions. And because, because we were doing such a good job and we made them look good, if you make them look good, they're going to want to keep you around. So we don't go in that we're the heroes. We make them the heroes. We make them look good. They want to keep us around. They start getting promotions. And that was one way that we measured that we were actually succeeding. So that's how we connect the circuits outside of our company. You know, you mentioned uh, Donald Miller and StoryBrand. I think in the last episode I had mentioned uh, how I kind of landed on my my mission statement or my why statement, which is, you know, I help people answer the question, why am I doing what I'm doing? And I landed on that actually through going, going through a lot of the Donald Miller StoryBrand uh, material, reading the books, and, and I even considered for a, a short period of time becoming a StoryBrand certified coach because it seemed like that would answer that would help me to answer my, my question of why am I doing what I'm doing? So I started talking with people that had done the story brand coaching um, that either were a coach or had had gone through and had a coach uh, walk them through their, that process. And what I found was the information was just packaged in a really convenient way, but it wasn't anything new. And 
uh, and I, I love the idea. I, in fact, I still have, have friends that are, you know, very heavily invested in that model. Um, but what I, what I found was the reason the model worked for some people and didn't work for others is because, um, like for me in my situation, I did I didn't, I was looking for an answer to a question that I needed to actually just be asking myself. And I needed to come to that answer before I tried to make a system fit or make a system work for me. And so through networking and through connecting with, with other people outside of my uh, sphere of influence or my friend group, I was actually able to find my way to the answers that I was looking for, but it wasn't in the way that I had, had anticipated. And, you know, even, even meeting and connecting with you, you and, and starting this project together, uh, it all happened through networking uh, the circuits outside of our workplace. I, I had friendships and relationships mm-hmm. with people that had mutual friendships with you. And so the whole way that we connected was, it wasn't like I went to some website and I found I was looking for people to pitch my, my you know, my skill set to. Uh, I had friends that came to me and said, hey, uh, you're really good at XYZ skill and you're reliable and that's what we're looking for for a project that's coming up. Are you interested in talking about it? Mm-hmm. And you know, so then I say yes to the initial meeting without knowing anything about what we're what we're going to talk about. So I don't know if I'm what skill sets I'm going to be bringing to the table. I just know that they they were wanting me to be in the conversation because we had relationship, we had friendship, mm-hmm. and then when the project is pitched then I can say, okay, that fits my vision or it doesn't. Um, and, and like the connection that we've made here um, in, in Colorado Springs, again, it was the, the whole reason they came to me and said, hey, maybe you can help us too, was because there was a mutual connection between you and them. And there was a friendship and a trust that they could believe without even talking to me or, or even looking at my, my website or my resume or whatever, they could say, well, if, if Phil trusts this person and Phil wants to, is this, has this person working with them, then uh, we, that's all we need to know. Yeah. And I, I've had people who were hesitant to come to me because of all the awards that I won. Mm-hmm. And, and then when they met me, they found out I was human. <laughs> and, and then other people who came thinking that they were going to be hanging out with royalty. And <laughs> I have a number of people who claim that I'm their mentor and, yeah. I maybe met with them once, yeah. and and I find that pretty off-putting. Really, sure, they smell royalty, and there is no royalty here. In fact, a lot of the uh, the press came. It was I used to apply for awards and and didn't get them. It's frustrating. And then I just took the scripture that said, "Let another man praise you." Hmm. And so I thought, if other people want to give me awards, that's up to them. And so a, a lot of my awards, mo- they all came really from someone else. Yeah, it's like after you stop trying to get it, then they start coming in and you don't really care. Anymore. Yeah. Or you, you appreciate it. You, like you said, say thanks and then get back to work. Yeah, that's what you really what you got to do. Just thank you. Make them proud that they chose you and yeah. then roll up your sleeves and go back to work. Because, yeah. you know, you, just because you won the World Series this year, mm. right. you got next year. So for those of you listening, um, uh, maybe be thinking about who are some people in your sphere of influence 
um, what, what are some, what's some relational equity that you have? And maybe take a look at your, uh, your list of friends and, and close business contacts and try to think about how did that person come into my life? How did I meet that person? Uh, what was the relationship or the nature of that relationship? And I think you'll be surprised to find that the majority of those or a lot of those friendships or relationships probably came through a mutual friend or a connection through someone that trusted you. And you can start to see how the, the ex or the internal energy that we've been talking about in the first, uh, the first four or five parts of this um, other forms of currency can translate into some pretty powerful external energy, which is really the building blocks for a successful, long-term, uh, stable, uh, and, and healthy company with healthy growth. Yeah, that's really where our, our culture is going. Mm-hmm. It used to be more command and control mm-hmm. workplaces, and it used to be more hard negotiations, but any more people are just becoming more human. Pat mm-hmm. Lencioni said that the workplace of the future is going to be more human and more culture-centric and more purpose-driven. So it's just, honestly, I think that people who are running businesses who are hard-driving, hard negotiators and and running by command and control are probably going to be left behind. It's true. I, I don't remember who said it, uh, but he said that in, in a world of change, the ed, the learners, the learned will be find themselves mis- well prepared for a world that no longer exists. <laughs> yeah. But the learners are the ones who will advance. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm misquoting him, but but and but those- the, the new world is is more yeah. servant leadership and mm-hmm. and. And human equity, just uh, other forms of energy besides money, and then the money follows. There and there's hum, there's such a deep humility attached to it because you didn't you didn't get to where you're going by your own bootstrapping. You got there through humility, service, mm-hmm. genuine care, uh, and I mean I, the culture at Chick Fil A has not really changed that much. I mean they when I think about Chick Fil A. Uh, I, I I immediately have a whole list of things that I think of the music, the smells, the way that I feel, the way I'm I'm treated, the way that I'm talked to, um, you know, the way that um, it didn't matter the the time of day. There's always a line of cars wrapped around the building. It doesn't matter where you go in the country. You mm-hmm. see a Chick Fil A even at the I was flying into the Denver airport and it was not even close to lunchtime when I landed. It was like nine o'clock, ten o'clock in the morning, and I got into the food court area and there was a McDonald's and a Burger King and a, you know, Japanese place and a Chick-fil-A. And there was no line at any of the other places, but there was a line wrapped around outside into the courtyard at Chick-fil-A. And uh, everybody knows you know, McDonald's for their breakfast, but, you know, people were at Chick-fil-A because they're there for the culture and they're there because they know what they're going to get. And that's, uh, man, that's, that's so valuable. So, well, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. And uh, we're going to keep on pressing in on this because I think there's a lot more mining that we can do. Um, and again, I'll, I'll say this. I say this on every episode. Please go to our website, philcohen.co. It's P-H-I-L-C-O-H-E-N dot C-O. And there's a contact form on that page where you can reach out and connect with us directly, um, possibly even scheduling a Zoom call, a Zoom meeting with Phil, uh, meeting face-to-face and having a conversation about Um, maybe how we can help you implement some of these practical things into your business and in your personal life and and see it transform the culture from the inside out 
and ultimately affect your your family life, which is really what we're going That's for. That's really what we're aiming yeah. for is changing lives, not changing. making, not getting rich. That's right. That's right. But the money usually follows. Yeah. Yep. At least it's at least it's God's definition of success. Yeah, and if and the thing is that's beautiful about that is the, if the money doesn't follow, it really doesn't matter because you've got a, a culture and a workplace that you love to be, and you've got a family that's healthy and that loves each other, and that's that's what's really important. So, thank you for joining us today on the podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Leaders Podcast as we journey together toward healthy biblical leadership. If you're facing a particular challenge in your organization, please visit healthy-leaders.org. We would love to help you lead your organization to health.